Well, we are less than 24 hours away from the next Fed meeting and they have a bit of a quandary. Everyone is talking about soft landings with inflation coming down. But what about the risk of it all starting to climb again? What if the job isn't quite done yet? I mean, there are 9 million jobs open in the US right now and consumer confidence is rising. Won't the Fed want to hose down some of that optimism a bit? Let's see. It's Wednesday, the 31st of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is down 0.2% today. The Aussie also down 0.2%, 66 US cents. The pound is down a little less. The euro up 0.1%. None of these are big moves, of course. On the share market, the Dow is up a third of 1% at the close in New York. The S&P down 0.1%. The Nasdaq firmly in the red, losing 0.8%. A bit of anticipation ahead of those big earnings results after the close, which have now happened. Uh, We'll cover off those at the end of the podcast. But the euro stock's 50, up half percent, almost as much for the FTSE 100. Treasury yields down just two basis points for 10 years. German 10-year bunds, uh, the yields there up three basis points, the same for 10-year gilts in the UK. Aussie 10 years, uh, the yields were down seven basis points yesterday to 4.14% on futures overnight. They've climbed back up four basis points and yields on Chinese 10-year uh, bonds falling below two and a half percent for the lowest level in more than 20 years. We'll talk about why that is shortly. And oil, well, we were saying yesterday, why was it down when tensions were rising in the Middle East? Well, today oil is higher, uh, WTI 1.4% higher, just under 78 now, and Brent up 0.6%, just below 83 a barrel. Uh, so it's uh, Tapa Strickland who joins us from NAB in Sydney today. Uh, let's start with the IMF, uh, Tapas. A rosy picture uh, in their latest World Economic uh, Outlook. Their headline, uh, with moderating inflation and steady growth, uh, this is an open path to a soft landing. It's all lovely. That's basically what we want to hear, isn't it? Hey, good morning, Phil. Yes, that soft landing narrative definitely got some more currency last night. So the IMF, not usually market moving, but they just did note the case for a soft landing is starting to rise. And they also upgraded their 2024 growth uh, projections as well on the back of that. Uh, not, not everywhere, but in most on the global level, yeah, and for Australia, of course, but they've uh, taken them down a bit for the US and Europe. Definitely. They? And reflective of that uh, soft landing narrative, uh, in the US, you got some really interesting data uh, for the labor market. So for job openings, they absolutely soared uh, to a three-month high. They came in at um, 9026,000 expected versus 8750,000 expected. Um and so that does tell you that the labour market still is pr- pretty tight. There's a, a lot of unmet labour demand there. And all the monetary tightening that we have seen so far, it's still leading to reasonable levels of economic activity. And indeed, in the US, it's still uh, well above trend there. Um, the one hint that does suggest while there is uh, still unmet labour demand, the tightness in the labour market isn't necessarily getting any tighter, is that the quits rates was unchanged at 2, 2.2%. That's right. So people less, uh, a little bit more reticent to move, even though there's uh, clearly there's, there's jobs out there. Well, they may be the wrong jobs, might not they? But, but I mean, that is a concern, isn't it, for the Fed? I mean, they'll be looking at that. In fact, I think the, the, the market expectations for the speed of rate cuts slowed down somewhat after that jolts data. Uh, that's right. So when you look at market pricing for a March FOMC cut, it's 
It's now 41.6% price, down from 47.6% yesterday. But the bigger moves just occurred in regards to the cumulative amount of cuts priced for 2024. So now there's 127 basis points of cuts in 24 from 137 basis points yesterday. So a big pairing back there. And the biggest move you did see in US yields was with the two-year. That jumped almost uh, 10 basis points uh, from its, its session low and settling around that kind of 4.38%. No real big move with the US 10-year yield. So the big uncertainty really is um, how confident are central banks, especially the Fed, in easing rates with inflation coming back towards target, especially in the US and in Europe, uh, and yet with economic activity uh, more than resilient, at least in the US. And that's what we'll be looking at quite closely, obviously, with the FOMC meeting that comes out later tonight. Yeah. Very soon, exactly. So how often is it that you get two bits of data basically reporting on the same thing, coming out at the same time, and unusually saying exactly the same thing? I imagine that's fairly rare. Normally, they'd both say op- the opposite, wouldn't they, just to keep us uh, on our toes. But the uh, as well as the jolts data, we had the jobs plentiful data uh, in the conference board's consumer confidence index. And that sort of backed up the jolts, didn't it? Because 45.5% of consumers said jobs were plentiful, which was up from 404 in in December. So telling the same story. Uh, in, indeed. And uh, that's also reflected in the wider consumer confidence print, although it came in as expected. It's now the highest since December 2021. And it all does suggest the, um, the tightness in the labour market, the rally in the equity market, uh, and the easing in inflationary pressures is leading to consumers becoming more confident in the US. What is interesting, though, you contrast that to some of the services sector surveys out there. So we did get the Dallas Fed services um, survey out there, and that did come in um, less than expected and was actually in the negative territory. But what I found interesting was in that is when you looked at the comments of respondents, a lot of them were citing election uncertainty there. And uh, I think that's going to become an increasing feature as the year uh, rolls through. If uh, Trump uh, looks like he's going to get the Republican nomination, it does certainly at the, at the moment. Um, and the betting polls uh, put him ahead of Biden, at least in a presidential runoff. Um, then what kind of policies do come out of a Trump, ad- a Trump administration? One of them is especially on the trade side. So uh, trade-exposed firms are going to be citing a lot of election uncertainty, I imagine, as he progresses. Right. OK, so what's going to happen with China then? We've seen bond yields coming down so much. I mean, we, we've been waiting for a, a fiscal stimulus, but this is telling a different story, isn't it? I mean, we, we they obviously have tried to reduce the reserve requirement for banks. Uh, whether that's going to do too much, this is sort of implying that they're going to do more. Or are they, for example, going to uh, reduce interest rates? Uh, and if so, when are they going to do that? Is this going to move fairly quickly? Well, the movement in bonds would tell you that they're expecting uh, further monetary easing, um, whether that's r- rate cuts or through other mechanisms, um, it, 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 it could be. But it, it, overall, it does suggest the state of the, the Chinese economy is very soft um, with all the woes around the property sector, uh, especially um, the unresolved issues around the property developers and also the fact that you've got falling house prices as well. Um, just keeps the consumer relatively cagey in that respect. Uh, when you look at commodity markets, uh, the iron ore price currently hovering around that 131 mark. You'd have to say that commodity markets, especially iron ore, is still expecting some degree of stimulus to, to come out, out of this. Uh, but I guess there's just a lot of uncertainty here and uh, we'll just have to see how it actually unfolds.
Yeah. All right. Now, uh, let's look closer to home. Uh, it's a big day today, of course, because we get inflation, but we also had retail sales yesterday. We were saying December would be down because November was up so much, uh, but we've gone from 1.6% up to 2.7% down. So seems like we all turned into the Grinch at Christmas because we weren't expecting it to fall quite that much, were we? No, so we did expect a 2% decline um, and it definitely was a bigger decline than, than that 2%. It's so very hard to read this data now around October, November, December and, and January just given all those shifting seasonals. So I think we do have to wait for the January data to get a better gauge of the degree of weakness there. What we can say though is if we summed all the sales for the quarter, um, they were up 0.5% Q on Q. So not necessarily strong, but it also suggests uh, things aren't necessarily falling off a cliff either. No, but what about the things that we don't sort of buy for Christmas, like going out to cafes and restaurants and stuff? Uh, did that hold up over Christmas or was that down as well? Uh, that that did fall in, in December, but again, I think you've got shifting seasonals occurring there as well. So... Um, I think the, the the really interesting thing is actually going to be in today's CPI data, and we can preview it more fully soon. Um, but there will be the extent of goods uh, deflation occurring in Australia that was going to be quite important for the volumes measure. Um, so what we are seeing in the US and in, in the Eurozone and broadly globally is uh, on the trade of goods side, you're starting to see deflation occurring. Um, and I think it's going to be a really interesting environment and how that plays out with the consumer sector. In the US, at least, it looks like it's leading to uh, improved consumer confidence. Um, that is yet to flow through to Australia as yet. Okay, yes, because of course these are nominal figures, aren't they? So that makes CPI all that much more important. And uh, so Q on Q prices rose by 1.2% in Q3. That was for the headline rate and for the trim mean rate. So what is it going to do for Q4? And uh, how much is it going to bring down the annual rate? So um, at NAB, we expect the trim mean to come in at 0.8% Q on Q, which would give the annual at 4.2% year on year. Uh, the consensus is marginally higher than that at 0.9% Q on Q and 4.3% year on year. Uh, regardless of what it prints, though, the consensus in us expect uh, trim mean inflation to come in 2 to 3 uh, two to three tenths below the RBA's uh, 4.5% year on year forecast that they gave in the November song. So, what does that um, mean for the RBA? Does that put the pressure on them then to start to move faster on bringing rates down? I, I don't think so. Um, so, a lot of the, um, the the miss relative to the RBA's forecast comes down to two things. So, one, uh, the goods deflation that we mentioned earlier, and also some impact of a rental subsidy that bled through into Q4. Uh, and that rental subsidy is equivalent to about 0.1 to 0.1.5 impact on the uh, trim mean measure. And that will unwind in um, Q1. So at NAB, we expect Q1 trim mean to print higher than than Q4. And uh, when you go beneath that, it's still going to be reflective of relatively uh, too high services inflation. So in that environment, I think the RBA still retains their tightening bias and going into next week, that's that's what we expect. Uh, and we don't actually see uh, the case for the RBA to cut rates until the second half of this year. And uh, we pencil in November for that first rate cut. But it is a question globally. Um, as, as inflation comes down, how much of it is driven by the traded goods side as opposed to the services side? Um, if services remains relatively sticky, then central banks may be reluctant to cut 
um, by substantial amounts. And I think that's going to be the story, particularly in the US, just given um, how resilient the uh, data has been there. Well, we start to get inflation uh, today, don't we, for Europe, for France and Germany out today. And do we get Spain or we had Spain? Uh, we Certainly, we have to wait till tomorrow till we get the whole euro area number. And we've just had uh, the GDP numbers as well, which shows how close Europe is to being in a recession, possibly already in it. Uh, they've you know, possibly just narrowly avoided one, but the, the Q4 flash number came in at zero. If we went into negative territory, they'd technically be in a recession. But Germany, well, minus 0.3% in Q4 after a flat Q3. So both areas so close to a recession. I mean, they are one revision potentially away from it and certainly just one quarter uh, away from it. So it's not looking good in Europe still. Uh, definitely, the, the weakness in the in the eurozone pretty prevalent in uh, the second half of last year. And whether they recorded a technical recession or not, I think it's it's pretty clear from the PMIs that things are very weak. Uh, when you look at inflation, it's pretty close to target now. So I was just doing some comparisons of Australian inflation versus offshore. And when you look at eurozone inflation, um, six um, six month annualized. Uh, in the second half of last year, um, and do it on an equivalent basis to Australia, you're getting core inflation around 2.5%. Uh, you're getting core inflation about 2% in the US. Um, so with European economy being relatively weak, I think there is a good case for the ECB to cut rates early. And uh, the market is now fully pricing a 25 basis point cut in, in April, despite the rhetoric that you have seen from ECB officials over the past couple of weeks. Um, with the Eurozone CPI data, um, we did get um, Germany and France today. Uh, we did get Spain and Belgium yesterday. Right. They printed a little bit on, on the high side, but uh, a little bit unclear exactly what was driving that. Right. Okay. Well, obviously, first thing tomorrow morning, it's the big one. It's the Fed, 6 a.m. Australia's time. Got a press conference at 6.30, Australian Eastern time, I should say. Uh, we'll try and get as much of that was uh, covered before we uh, before the podcast, so we can tell you all about it tomorrow. But I mean, you know, we, are we expecting any sort of pivot, any change in direction at the press conference? I think the biggest pivot will be uh, the Fed dropping their their tightening bias, and if they do that, then historically, uh, that's a very good indicator that they're contemplating rate cuts over the next couple of months and so that would help validate the market pricing that there is out there um, I don't think uh, Fed Chair Powell will come in strongly um, in terms of cutting uh, as, as early as March and just keep as much optionality out there as, as possible. Um, also important is going to be the employment cost index as well um, so that's a good measure of wages in the US and that also comes out um, overnight and we also get ADP payroll so I think it's going to be a pretty volatile night with those uh, top tier pieces of data and of course on the equity market you obviously get microsoft and alphabet reporting after we finish the podcast and we also get apple amazon and meta on thursday so um i think people are going to be treading water ahead of those big events as well yep there's a lot going on isn't there thanks tapas uh, cheers thanks phil and as tapas mentioned two big earnings results after the close we know what they are now microsoft's q2 revenue came in at 62 billion above market expectations of 61.1 billion uh, although that's not done a lot to lift their share prices actually down one percent in after hours trade alphabet down four percent even though their revenue last quarter hit 86.3 billion compared to estimates of 85.3 billion so outperformed on that but it was their ad revenue that missed its estimates so that's obviously what investors have been looking at that's it for the morning call today uh, back tomorrow morning might be a little bit late so we can cover more of the fed but we'll be here doing it all for you tomorrow morning i'm phil dobby for now thanks for listening